You know, uh, this week I was reading in the New Testament and, and came to a passage in John chapter 20, chapter 12. And it was a very simple passage. And, uh, uh, but it just grabbed my heart. So I want to read those verses to you. John 12, verse um, 21, verse 20. I want you to listen to this. Jesus was at the feast and um, people had come to Jerusalem. And it says in verse 20, Now there were certain Greeks among those who came up to worship at the feast. These were not Jews, they were Gentiles, they were Greeks. They came to Philip, who was from Bethsaida of Galilee. And they asked him, saying, Sir, we wish to see Jesus. Well, that, that grabbed me. These Greeks, you know, they, they were not grounded in the Jewish religion. They had no background. They were not looking for a, quote, Messiah. But somehow God had put a passion in their heart that they said, Sir, Philip, we would see Jesus. Then he goes on and says, And Philip came and told Andrew. And in turn, Andrew and Philip told Jesus. But then Jesus goes on and tells them, Well, the time has come that I'm going to go to the cross and die. And he says, if I'm lifted up from the earth, all men will, will come unto me. I, I want to take those words. Sir, we would like to see Jesus. You know, we live in two worlds. You know that, don't you? We live in a physical world. And it's, that's a real world, y'all. And it's hard not to get captured by, by what we can see what we can hear, smell, taste, touch, uh, the, the material world. We, we live in a physical world, and it almost engulfs us. But you know, there's another world that is greater than the physical world. It's the spiritual world. And when a person is saved, they enter into that spiritual world. And they not only live in the material realm, but really they move into the spiritual realm, which is more real than the physical realm. And so I, I want us today to understand that uh, in that spiritual world, with our spiritual eyes, now stay with me, with our spiritual eyes and the eyes of our heart, we need to see Jesus. Now we really do. And I'm not talking about on Sunday morning at 10.30. I mean every day of the week, 24-7, to be the person God created us to be and to be the person God saved us to be. There needs to be a, an awareness. Our spiritual eyes and the eyes of our heart must be in tune with that spiritual world so that we can constantly see Jesus. You know, uh, Jesus made it clear in John 1.18 that no man had seen God at any time. He said, in John 1.18, he said, um, let me just read that to you. It says, no man has seen God at any time, 
But the only begotten of the Father, who is in the bosom of the Father, he has declared him. No one has seen God at any time. The only begotten Son, who says, was one with the Father, in the bosom of the Father, he has seen him. But when Jesus came, even though we've never seen the Father, when he came, he revealed the Father to us. All right, listen in John 14, verses 8 and 9. And this is a part of the spiritual world I'm talking about. In John 14, 8 and 9, Philip asked Jesus a question. Listen to this. Philip said to him, Lord, show us the Father, and it will satisfy us. Jesus said to him, have I been with you so long, yet you have not known me? Philip, he who has seen me has seen the Father. You want to know what, the, you want to see the Father? Well, look at me, Philip. Look at my life. Listen to what I've said. He that has seen me has seen the Father. So how do you say, show me the Father? And so really, while we cannot see God the Father with our physical eyes, and we cannot see Jesus with our physical eyes, I do believe in the spiritual world, that world that is more, more real than the material world, that we can see the Father when we look at Jesus. We'll know what the Father's like. We'll know the heart of God. Because when we see Jesus, we see the Father. You know, I love that passage in 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 6 and 7. You know, this is so true of our lives. You say, Brother Fred, nothing would thrill me more than to see Jesus with my physical eyes. Me either. I cannot wait till that day. But until then, we need to see him with our spiritual eyes. We need to, to, to look beyond what we can see, hear, smell, taste, and touch into the spiritual world and plug into and allow Jesus to be very real to us and we need to be aware of his presence. Over in 1 Peter 1, verse 6, In this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while, if need be, you're going through various trials. Peter said, you know, you're going through a hard time, but you know, you're still rejoicing. I can tell that. And it says, That the genuineness of your faith, being much more precious than gold that perishes. He said, your faith is going to be tested. Though tested by fire, may be found to the praise, honor, and glory at the revelation of Jesus Christ. And then it says this in verse 8. Whom having not seen, you love. Isn't it amazing? We've never seen him with our physical eyes. Yet we love him. You know, we were here today because we love Jesus. We're here today because Jesus is real to us. We're here today because he's changed our life. And, and, and we've not been the same once we saw him with our spiritual eyes. Whom having not seen, you love. And yet believing you rejoice with joy unspeakable and full of glory. And receiving the end of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Now what I want to do this morning is this. It is very important to you in this troubled world we're living in, 
I, I want to explain to you and show you from the scriptures how you can see Jesus with your spiritual eyes. How you can see him with the eyes of your heart. And he will not be a savior that lived 2,000 years ago. But he'll be a savior that you saw this morning. And you saw again at noon. And saw again at the evening. See, we need to understand that we need to operate in the spiritual world and not the physical world. You know, by the way, the Bible says the physical world is temporary, it's material. It says in 1 John 2, 15 through 17, love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father and is of the world, but listen to this, and the world will pass away the material world will all pass away. The world will pass away with all of its lust, but he that does the will of God abides forever. The spiritual world is eternal. That's another verse, and then I'm going to talk to you about how to see Jesus. 2 Corinthians 4, 16 through 18. Paul said, uh, you know, he was always, always in difficulty. Now, he was. He was oftentimes in jail, oftentimes on the run, been beaten with rods and stripes. He constantly lived under the threat of death. And, 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 and so he was going, talking to the Corinthians about some of their problems. Now, now listen to what he said in verse, 2 Corinthians 4.16. Therefore, we do not lose heart. Now I want to ask you a question. Are you losing heart? Is there any area of your life that you're real discouraged? And to be honest with you, Brother Fred, I'm, I'm losing heart. Paul said, we're not going to lose heart. Well, why, Paul? What's going to keep us, man? Our circumstances aren't good. The pressure's real. I, I can't see with my physical eyes a way out. So what am I going to do? He said, now, therefore, we do not lose heart. Even though our outward man is perishing, our inward man, our spirit, is renewed day by day. Boy, I'll tell you, it is so wonderful that when you begin to lose heart, it may be because of the illness or it may be because of, of, of just failures and all this stuff. When you begin to lose heart, Boy, it really begins to affect you, your physical man, the stress, all that of you. He says, even though our outward man is perishing, he said, let me tell you what, my inner man, my soul, my spirit, my spirit is being renewed day by day. Well, how does that happen? For our light affliction, which is but for a moment. Well, Paul, it may be a light affliction you were in, but mine's not light. I just want you to know that. He said, our light affliction, which is but for a moment, is working in us a far more exceeding eternal weight of glory. Now, I've got to stop right there. Let me tell you what happened out there in the foyer. This is exactly what somebody told me. He said, you know, he got a bad diagnosis. Terminal. But you know what he said? He said, let me tell you, Brother Fred. 
That diagnosis has turned me around spiritually. He said, man, my outward man may be, he didn't use the word outward man, may be perishing. He said, but I'm telling you, the word of God means more to me than it's ever meant. I'm understanding it better than I ever understood it. And no, that's what Paul was saying. He said, listen, our outward man is perishing, but by the word of God, and, the, and when we get our eyes on Jesus, our inner man is renewed day by day. And then he goes on and says, this is it. While we do not look at the things that are seen. Paul said, I'm not looking at the prison doors. I'm not looking behind me for the Pharisees who are trying to kill me. I'm not looking. And he said, I'm not looking at what I can see. If I did, I'd get discouraged. I'd lose heart. He said, I've got to look beyond what I can see. Now, I'll say this to you. If this world was all there was to it, if this was it, and there was no heaven, and there was no eternal life, and there was no glorious eternity in the presence of Jesus, I tell you what, man, you could get discouraged real quick, but, but it's not. He says, while we do not look at the things that are seen, but we look at the things that are not seen. He said, I'm seeing things that you can't see with your physical eyes. For the things which are seen are temporary. Hallelujah. But the things that you don't see are eternal. I'm telling you, with all my heart, I feel a passion that, man, we need. We need to see Jesus. We need to see him with our spiritual eyes. You know, we see Jesus clearly revealed in the New Testament. You know, you say, well, I, what, what, what is, what, just, just, just knowing Jesus. Well, you want to know him? then you've got to get in the New Testament and you've got to look at him and you've got to watch him as he ministers to people just like you and me. And Jesus promised, now don't you miss this, Jesus promised that when the Holy Spirit came, he would make Jesus real to us. He said that. He said, I know I'm going away, but when the Holy Spirit comes, he's going to make me real to you. He's going to testify of me. He's going to glorify me, and he's going to draw you to myself. All right, look in, in John 14, verses 15 through 18. Just listen to what it says. In John 14, 15 through 18, Jesus said, and he's going to say something here that I want you to hear now. I want you to listen. If you love me, keep my commandments, and I will pray the Father. And he will give you another helper. Now the word another means another of the same kind. He's talking about the Holy Spirit. The Father's going to give you the Holy Spirit. He's another helper. He's just like me. He's my spirit. I will pray the Father and he will give you another helper that he may abide with you forever. Even the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive. The spirit of truth is going to come to live in you. And because uh, neither, it says the spirit of truth which the world cannot receive because it neither sees him or knows him, but you know him for he dwells with you, this Holy Spirit, and he's going to be in you. I love this. Look at this next verse. I will not leave you an orphan. I'm not going to leave you an orphan. I'm not going to go off and leave you. You're not going to be fatherless. 
You're not going to be without a family. He said, I'm not going to leave you an orphan. He said, I'm going to come to you. And he's come to us in the Holy Spirit who lives in us, who is nothing other than the Spirit of Christ. So let me say this to you this morning. You're not an orphan. God is your Father. Jesus Christ is your Savior. And the body of Christ is your family. And no matter where you are and what you're facing, and what you, you're not alone. And let me tell you why it's so important in these days that we be a part of the family of God, a part of the people of God. Because, listen, when you're one of God's children, you're never, ever, ever without a father who loves you and a family who cares for you. He said, I'm not going to leave you an orphan. And you ain't to understand today, you're not living your life alone. You're not living your life without support. You're not living your life without someone who's there to hold you up. Praise God. You're not an orphan. And so, uh, so he talked about how that the Holy Spirit was going to make Jesus real to us. John 15, 26. Listen to this. But when the helper comes whom I will send to you from the Father. The Spirit of truth who proceeds from the Father, he will testify of me. He said, I'm going to tell you when the Holy Spirit comes, he's going to make me real to you. He's going to make me real to you. And you're going to know me. And you're not going to be an orphan. You, I'm going to be your best friend. See, let me ask you this. Is Jesus just somebody out there? Is he just some mystical figure who lived in the past? Or is he real? Can you talk to him? Can he talk to you? Can you experience him? Can you feel his presence? I mean, that, that's what the Bible is all about. That Jesus Christ is real to his children. And that we can experience him and know him and see him. And he can minister to us. I'll tell you one thing. The only way you make it in the Christian life is by the presence of Jesus Christ. It's the only way you make it. And then he said in John 16, verse 14 and 15. Listen to what he said about he wasn't going to be, we weren't going to be orphans. He will glorify me, talking about the Holy Spirit. He will glorify me. He will take what is mine and declare it to you. He said the Holy Spirit will take all that I am and make me Jesus real to you. Make me real to you. And will declare it unto you. All things that the Father are... All things the Father has are mine. Therefore I said that he will take of mine and declare it unto you. Now, all right. First of all, I want to ask the question. How do you enter the spiritual world? How do you live in the spiritual world? Then the second thing is, living in the spiritual world, how do you see Jesus? How do you see him? All right, now the Bible makes it absolutely clear, unmistakably clear, that we begin living in the spiritual world when Jesus Christ comes to live inside of us as our Lord and Savior. The Bible makes that absolutely clear. You know, I mean, I'm not against um, dedicating babies. I'm for that. To the Lord, I, I'm, I'm against... Uh, Training up children in the way they should go. I'm in teaching them the word of God and giving them a foundation. But I want to tell you something. Every person has to make that choice 
of receiving the Lord Jesus Christ. Every person. You say, my mother was a great Christian. Thank God. But what about you? Oh, I grew up in a very stable Christian family. That's good, but what about you? The thing that you've got to understand, you will never understand the spiritual world until you enter that world. And the only way you can enter the spiritual world is through repentance of your sin and faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Folks, it is not complicated. Man has made it complicated. Man has made it complicated. They said, well, salvation, you've got to work your way to heaven. Or salvation is in the church. Or salvation is in uh, an ordinance. Or salvation is in a ceremony. Or or you've got to be baptized in water to be saved. Let me tell you one thing. Listen to me. Salvation is through repentance of sin, repentance toward God, and faith in Jesus Christ, and nothing else. Nothing else. You add something to it, and it's heresy. You take something away from it, and it's heresy. Now, now see, what is repentance? What is it? Well, I'll tell you what it is. Repentance toward God. I like this word. I agree with God. I want to get in that spiritual world. Because the material world is going to pass away, y'all. I agree with God that I'm a sinner. I had not got to convince you of that. You know you're a sinner. We all know we're sinners. We've all sinned and come short of the glory of God. I agree with God that I'm a sinner. But I also agree with God that I have a sinful nature. The reason I sin is because I have a sinful nature. And so I repent. And I say, God, I agree with you that I have sinned against you. And I agree with you that I have a sinful nature. But I repent. I repent. I do not want to live in my sin and I do not want to be controlled by my sinful nature. In other words, you make a choice. Repentance means to change your mind. It means to turn around. So you repent of your sins, and you put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ. And is that what it is? I mean, that's it. And, and, and I love what it says in Romans, Acts, well, Acts 20, verse 20 and 21. Paul said, I testified publicly to you, Repentance toward God. Now, this is the word of God now. Repentance toward God and faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. He said, that's what I preach. You've got to repent toward God, and you've got to place your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And the most, you're talking about seeing with the eyes of your heart, seeing with your spiritual eyes. Listen to Romans 10, 9 and 10. Listen to this. It says in Romans 10, 9 and 10, talks about believing with your heart. It says in Romans 10, 9, if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus Christ and believe in your heart, not intellectual assent, it goes beyond the mind into the depths of your being. If you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart, man believes unto righteousness. And with the mouth, confession is made unto salvation. The scripture says, whoever believes in him will not be ashamed. And then in verse 13, whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Listen, you say, Brother Fred, 
I want to live in that spiritual world. I want to look not just at what I can see, but I want to see the unseen. The spiritual world is temporary. I mean, the material world is temporary. The spiritual world is eternal, and it is eternal. And so what you do is you repent of your sins, which means you not only confess them, but you turn away from them. Now, there are a lot of people who say, well, I confessed it, but I'm going to keep on doing it. That's not repentance. No, that's not repentance. You mean you confess it, and then by God's grace, you walk away. Brother Ed gave the verse a little while ago. If anyone be in Christ, they're a new creation. Old things are passed away. I used to practice sin. All things have become new. Now, by the presence of Jesus, I practice righteousness. I used to live ungodly. Now, in Christ, I live godly. I used to live an unrighteous life. Now, in Christ, I live a righteous life. And it's Christ in us that gives us the power. But I want to tell you one thing. If there's been no change, there's been no encounter with Jesus. You cannot meet Jesus Christ and not be changed. If you meet him, the change may be more dramatic in some than in others. But I promise you, when you meet Jesus and he becomes your Lord and Master, you will be changed by the power of God. You won't live the way you used to live. You'll live a new life in Jesus Christ. So you've got to enter the spiritual world. Now, once you get in there, they're just, I'm just going to say these briefly. There are five ways that you can see Jesus. Now, the Bible says in Ephesians chapter 2, you has he made alive, stay with me, who were dead. See, we're dead. we were dead. You has he made alive who were dead in trespasses and sin. Then he goes on down in verse 4 and says, But God, who is rich in mercy, because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses and sin, made us alive together with Christ. For by grace you have been saved. And then he goes on and says in verse 8, For by grace you've been saved through faith in Jesus, repentance and faith, and that not of yourselves, you, you couldn't do it, not of works, it's, it's a gift of God, not of works, lest anybody should boast. We're God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus under good works. Okay. Here are the five things. And you, you know, this, that was my introduction. It won't take long to do this other now. And by the way, my watch is broke. No, it is. I got up this morning and the battery was gone in my watch. So I do not have a watch. But I can see the time on the screen up there. But it doesn't bother me a bit. No, I'm not going to waste your time. I want you to listen. I tell you how I want to see Jesus every day. Man, man, this is the way. This is the way. I want to see Jesus every day. You know what Hebrews said? In Hebrews 12, 2, I want you to listen to this. You say, Brother Fred, this thing of seeing Jesus with our spiritual eyes, this thing of being aware of Jesus' presence, where are you getting this from? Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2, looking unto Jesus. What part of that don't I understand? Looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, 
who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of God. Man, I want to get up in the morning and I want to look unto Jesus. The first thing out of my mouth is Jesus. I'm looking for you. My eyes are on you. I've got a day before me. Oh, Jesus, I must keep my eyes on you because I don't know what this day is going to bring forth, but I want to keep my eyes on you. And let me tell you how you need to see him. Number one, as your savior from all of your sin. The devil loves to accuse God's children. The devil loves to condemn the people of God. I would like to say to you, you're saved and you will never sin. But that is not true. The truth is we still are tempted. And while we're not running to sin, sometimes we sin. We're running from sin, but sometimes we get tripped up. But you've got to look to Jesus and say, listen, I'm not going to live under condemnation. I'm not going to live under the, in the past. I'm not going to listen to the lies of the devil that I can't pray and I can't witness because of what I've done. No. I am going to look to Jesus as the Savior from all of my sin. And I love what the, the, the ensemble is saying. He says, I'm not going to live in the past. I'm moving forward. I'm moving forward. And let me just say this to you. One of the biggest weights people have to lay aside in the, in the Christian life is the past. The devil says, who are you to pray? Who are you to witness? Don't you remember what you did? Don't you remember what you were? You say, listen, that's all over. That's in the past. My sins are under the blood of Jesus. Let, let, me, let me give you some verses. Hebrews chapter 10. Listen to this. Man, this encourages you because I promise you the devil's going to try to attack you and discourage you with your past and tell you that you can't be what God wants you to be. And he's a liar. He's a liar. When you got saved, Jesus took care of your past. Praise the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. What a Savior. Hebrews 10. He says, listen to it. I love these verses. Verse 12. But this man, Jesus, after he had offered one sacrifice for sin forever. I love that. Jesus offered one sacrifice for your sin forever. And he sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. From that time waiting till his enemies be made a footstool. And then listen to what he says. For by one offering, he has perfected those who are being sanctified. Listen, that offering of Jesus took care of my sins, past, present, and future. And man, look down there in uh, verse 16. This will help you. See, you've got to look every day to Jesus as the Savior from all of your sin. In verse 16, this is the covenant I will make with them after these days, saith the Lord. I will put my law in their hearts and their minds, will I write them. And listen to this, and their sins... And iniquities, their sins and lawless deeds, I will remember no more. Why do you keep thinking about your sins in the past when God's already forgot them? And he said he'd remember them no more. You know, every day you've got to look to Jesus as the Savior from all of your sin. The second thing you've got to do, you've got to look to Jesus as your Lord and your Master. You see, the word Savior is used 24 times in the New Testament. 
The word Lord is used over 200 times. And in Philippians chapter 2, verse 9, it talks about that Jesus is not just our Savior, but when you got saved, he became your Lord. And in case you don't know what the Lord is, that means ruler. That means the one that's in charge. That means the boss. That means you listen to him and do what he says. You, that means that he controls your life. You see, you've got to look to Jesus not as a savior from all of your sin, but then you've got to move on. But say he is also, I've got to see him today as my Lord and master. Every decision I make is made in light of his lordship. Every decision I make is in light of the fact that he is my master. I've got to realize today I'm not my own. I'm bought with a price. I belong to Jesus. So therefore, it is not my life to live the way I want to live. Whoever told you since you got saved, you, it was your life. Listen, you are a bond slave of the Lord Jesus Christ. He purchased you and paid for you with his precious blood. You are not your own. You're bought with a price. So I got to see him today as my Lord and my master. In Philippians chapter 2, it says, uh, look down in uh, verse 9 of Philippians 2. Talking about Jesus. Therefore God has highly exalted him and given him the name above every name. You know whose name is above every name? Jesus. When I say Jesus, well, when you say Jesus, everything changes. The conversation changes. The atmosphere changes. People either get excited or they get disturbed. The Father has given him the name. Therefore, God has highly exalted him, given him the name above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow. It's called surrender. Surrender. At the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow. Of those in heaven those in earth, those under the earth, and that every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. He's Lord to the glory of God the Father. I like, there are two signs of surrender. Remember in the war movies, they'd point the gun at them and then put your hands up. Well, that's, what you're saying, I'm sur I've surrendered. They'd go marching out with their hands up. They surrendered. Well, sometimes they'd tell them just to get on their knees. That was a sign of surrender. Listen, every morning you say, Jesus, I see you as a Savior from all of my sin. But I'm going to tell you, Lord, I see you as my Lord. With my spiritual eyes, I know I belong to you. I know you love me. You will never do anything to harm me. Everything you do in my life will be for, for my good and for your glory. And so, Lord, I'm not afraid of living under your authority. I'm so glad to live under your authority. And so this morning, Jesus, as I begin a new day, I see you as my Lord and my Master. The third way you've got to see Jesus is this. Not only as your Savior from all your sin not only as your Lord and your master, but the third thing you've got to do is this. You've got to see Jesus as your life and your strength. Can I tell you the truth? I don't have any strength. I'm not strong spiritually. I don't have any. But you see, we've got to understand. The Bible says 
in, in, in Corinthians, when we're weak, that's when we're strong. Because as long as we think we can do it and we can handle it, then you're not strong. But man, when you say, Lord, I can't do it. I can't handle it. You know, you've got to see Jesus as your life. I'll just give you three verses. Galatians 2.20. I'm crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, but Christ lives in me. Can I ask you something? Do you believe Jesus lives in you? Do you believe he lives in you? Do you believe when you got up this morning, the Son of God was living in you by the Holy Spirit? And so you say, Jesus, this is a new day. And I'm not only going to see you as a sac- the Savior from all of my sin. Today, I'm not only going to see you as my Lord and my Master, but today I see you as my life. Christ lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by his faith of the Son of God who gave himself for me. You've got to see Jesus every day as your life and strength. You say, well, I want to be a better husband. I I want to encourage my wife. I want to love my kids. Well, you can't do it in your own power. You can't do it. You've got to say, Jesus, you live in me, and you be my strength. You say, well, I want to be a better wife. I want to respect my husband. I, I, I don't want to nag him. I understand. Well, then you say, but Jesus, listen, you live in me. You, you know my, my personality and all that stuff, but you live in me, and you are my life and my strength, and I'm trusting you today, Jesus. See, friend, Jesus is not somebody out yonder saying, go get him. Man, he lives inside of us. He lives inside of us. And we've got to see him every day as our life and our strength. Every day. Philippians 1.21 for me to live as Christ and to die as gain. Hey, Jesus, I know that uh, you're my life and strength. And for me to live is for you to live in me. In that spiritual world. And when I die, it'll be gain. Listen to John 15, 5. Jesus said, I'm the vine. And you're a branch. You just stay plugged into me. And my life will flow into you. My life will flow into you. And said, You'll get your life from me. The branch does not get its life from the soil. The branch gets its life from the vine. The vine gets its life from the soil. And and then from the vine, the branch gets its life. And Jesus is the vine. And we're just a branch. So we look to him every morning. Jesus, you are. You are my life. And you are my strength. Philippians 4.13. Well, this covers a lot of ground. You say in the morning, Jesus, I got a lot of things facing me today. They're bigger than I am, but I'm, I'm going to claim Philippians 4.13. I'm going to stand on Philippians 4.13 today, Jesus. You live in me. You know what it is? I can do some things through Christ that strengthens me. Is that right? I can do, say it. All things? That means you don't have to be irritable. You don't have to be harsh. You don't have to be impatient. You don't have to be unkind. You don't have to receive sinful thoughts. Why? Because Jesus lives in you. And he said, listen, you can overcome every bit of that. You don't have to drink liquor. You can say no to the bottle. 
You, you don't have to take a pill. You can say, how can I do that? Brother Fred, I'm an addict. No, you're not. Listen, you can do all things through Christ. So there's no excuse. If you're doing things you shouldn't be doing, you don't have your eyes on Jesus. You're not looking at Jesus. You don't have your eyes on him because he promised you that you could do all things through him who is your strength. There's no excuse. No excuse. Somebody said, well, I can't do it. I said, no, you don't want to do it because God's not a liar. And he said, I can do all things through Christ, who is my strength. So we see Jesus as the Savior from our sin. We see him as our Lord and Master. We see him as our life and strength. Man, I only got two more. Boy, I love this. Boy, you need this now. I'm telling you, you need this. And you better latch hold of this. Because, boy, the days to come. <laughs> You're going to have to get up every morning and say, you know, we've got to see Jesus as our security. Now, we've got to see our Jesus as our security. You know, um, I seldom watch the news, but um, I decided last night about 9 o'clock, I forgot what time it was, I hadn't walked in two days on the treadmill, and I said, well, I'll just go suffer, you know, so I went up and and I said, I'm going to walk 40 minutes on the treadmill. And so I, tur- I just turned it to channel to Fox News. And, and you know, all this uh, uh, Huckabee was on, and he had some good things. And then uh, this Judge Janine, have y'all ever seen her before? She just started saying what ISIS said. You know, that's this, they've taken the place of Al-Qaeda, and they've grown from 800 to 10,000, and they've just taken over Iraq, and and they said, we're coming for you. We're coming for you. And one day the flag, the flag of Allah will be raised over the capital, you know. Just 10,000. But all, all it is is, is, is fear. And, and so you look at Syria where the, and, and, and Iraq and you look at Israel and all that's going on over there and everything that's happening. Okay, now, now listen. That is alarming. And I care and you care. But I'm just telling you right now, you listen to me, all that's happening is just a fulfillment of the Bible. That's all it is. Before your eyes, you're watching the scripture be fulfilled. The Bible says there'll be wars and rumors of wars. Now, there've always been wars of rumors of wars, but they're converging. I've never seen it like this in my lifetime. And that's just a few of them. That's not all the conflicts going on in the other countries in other parts of the world. That's, that's just a drop in the bucket. But let me ask you a question. Why do we have, why, why should we be afraid? Why? I mean, we're children of God. We're not orphans. Our Father created this world. He spoke it into being. Our Father's in control of this world. You say, well, why in the world is there evil? Because when man sinned, God gave man a choice. Man sinned, and his sinful nature has created a world of wickedness and ungodliness, just like the Bible said it would. It got so bad in the days of Noah that God had to destroy the world by flood. That's how wicked it got. After that, he came and gave the Ten Commandments through Moses, trying to get a, some kind of compass for the people to live their lives. But we need to understand. 
Let, let me just tell you, 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 you just need to, every morning, it'd be a good idea if you'd read these verses, okay? Because you, you, you're going to need to be secure. You're really going to need to be secure. And where's your security going to be? Well, i tell you one thing, it's not going to be in the government. I want you to know that right now. Forget that. It's going to be in Jesus. All right, in Romans 8, and I want you to look at verse uh, 31 and 32. Listen to what it says. What shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? I want to ask you something. Are you living in the spiritual world? Is Jesus Christ your Lord and Savior? Does Christ live in you? Are you getting your, do you have your eyes on Jesus? Let me ask you a question. Do you believe that God is for you? No, no, I'm asking you. Well, do you believe God is for you? Well, then who can be against you? Man, I'm not going to go to bed at night dreaming about ISIS. I'm going to go to bed at night praising Jesus that he's King of kings and Lord of lords. He's our security. If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him freely give us all things? Listen, he said, God's for you, and he gave Jesus for you, and he'll freely give you all things. Then I love it. Man, I, I tell you, I love this down here. In, in chapter 8, uh, in, in verse um, 30, 38, listen to this. I'm persuaded that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come. Wonder what's going to happen next. It doesn't matter. Things to come can't separate us from the love of Christ. I am persuaded that neither death nor life, nor angels or principalities or powers, things present, things to come, height, depth, any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Hallelujah. On Christ the solid rock I stand, all other ground is sinking sand. Listen, if God's on your side, you don't have to depend on an army. You can depend on God. I want to ask you, where's your security? Is your security in the fact that you're a child of God and that Jesus lives in you? And he said he would never leave you nor forsake you and that nothing could ever separate you from his love and that if he is for you, who can be against you? Let me tell you something. You, you, you better not put your security in the newscast. You better not believe everything you hear. You better get up in the morning and say, Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah. You are my security. You are my security. Come what may. Well, here's the last thing. And I want us to make a confession. We've got to see Jesus as our security, but the last thing, we've got to see Jesus as all we need for living and dying. He's all we need for living and dying. He's all we need. The Bible says, in him dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily, and you're complete in him. Now, let me say that to you again about Jesus. In him dwells all the fullness of God in a body. And child of God, you are complete in him. All I need to live and all I need to die, hallelujah, is in Jesus.
You know, it breaks my heart that we live in a world that doesn't know what a treasure, treasure God has given them. They're wringing their hands. They're fretting. They're worrying. They're saying, oh, what's going on? You know, but oh, listen, they don't understand that the same God who created them sent his son to die for them and that in Christ, in Christ, they can be secure and come what may, come what may, they are a child of God and we're in his hand and nothing can pluck us out of his hand. That's where our security is. Amen? Now, I'm put, they're going to put this on the screen. And I just jotted this down. It's nothing profound, but I think it'd be a good way to start uh, your day every day. Now, I don't know what you eat for breakfast, but you could maybe put this on a cereal box or something. Or I know you've got to get milk out of the refrigerator. Put it on the refrigerator. Or better, uh, put it on the mirror. So when you first thing when you get up and you see yourself, you say, Dear Lord. And then you say this, okay? Okay. All right, it's on the screen. Can you all see it? All right, let's read it together. Today, I will look to Jesus as my Savior Lord, master, my life and strength, my security. In him, I will find all I need for living, dying, and eternity in his glorious presence. Let's read it one more time. And I'm challenging you to get read it in the morning, okay? Here we go. Today, I will look to Jesus as my Savior, Lord, Master, my life and strength, my security. In him I will find all I need for living and dying and eternity in his glorious presence. Now, no wonder we like that song Ed sang. Oh, hallelujah. What a Savior. Blessed be the name of Jesus.